year and welcome to another episode of The Break. I'm Father Roderick and the first week of 2023 is almost over. How was it? My first week was wonderful because I'm on a winter break, so I have plenty of time to play video games without feeling guilty. That is so awesome. This episode and all the podcasts that I'm going to produce this new year are brought to you thanks to my patrons. I need you to also join that community because I need your help to do this work and to reach out to all these people that may never come across a priest, let alone a priest who talks about Star Wars and Star Trek and the Bad Batch and oh, that's also Star Wars. Anyway, <laughs> I can't do this without you. Plus, the community really needs your input as well. If you become a patron, you get access to the Discord server where, where all the action happens every single day. It's such a fun place to hang out. We're even having a Dungeons and Dragons club where we play through these scenarios um, thanks to old RPGer um, who is uh, our, our dungeon master and, and so many other stuff. We exchange recipes and ideas for shows. We talk about Star Wars and books and Star Wars. Did I already mention that we talk about Star Wars? Anyway, check it out over at patreon.com slash fatherroderick. Do you know what's going on? This is what's happening in your world. They said Catholics rule. We got Boston, South America, the good part of Ireland, and we're making serious inroads in Mozambique, baby. You've taken your first step into a larger world. I have to admit, it felt a bit weird to be in the Netherlands these first few days of 2023 and not to be in Rome, where in the past, as soon as there was a big event, like, of course, this past week, the funeral of Pope Benedict XVI, uh, Emeritus Pope, um, I, I, would, I would immediately fly to Rome, I would book a cheap hotel and, and just do reporting record my podcasts. Um, for those of you that are new to the channel or new to the podcast, I, I started way back in 2005. One of my first podcasts was actually recorded live on St. Peter's Square um, during the, um, the illness of, of Pope John Paul II that eventually led to his death. And so I've been in Rome uh, multiple times for these events. When, when Pope Benedict was elected I was standing right there underneath the balcony with my microphone capturing the sound. And now I'm not there for the funeral. And there is a good reason for that. First of all, I needed a break. Um, I was exhausted after Christmas and, and uh, all the, you know, it's usually a very busy time of the year. Um, but also I, I felt like almost physically I was so tired. I needed to sleep more. I needed to kind of step out of the, of the, uh, like the, the, the routine of, of constantly creating stuff and making stuff and editing videos and coming up with new ideas. And so the, the advisory board has encouraged me to really take a, a few weeks off in January um, to recharge and to, re to kind of renew my creative juices. And so that's what I'm doing. I'm obedient. But one of the things, of course, which I would do if I had gone to Rome was working because then I'm, I'm running around filming and recording and doing interviews and... Uh, and now I had to watch it a bit from a distance. Um, but thankfully, of course, there were many people there that did a terrific job covering um, the what happened there, especially my good friend Mountain Batorak, who is the Catholic traveler. Uh, if you've never heard of him, um, he is an American who is now living in Rome with his family, and he organizes uh, pilgrimages. 
and uh, we, we met multiple times in the past. Uh, and, and he's got an Instagram channel on which he does a lot of the live stuff. So whenever something is happening, he's usually one of the first people on St. Peter's Square because he lives nearby. He can just walk. Uh, it's, I, it's, I think it's just like two streets. And then he's on St. Peter's Square. So he was one of the first people to stream live when, when Pope Benedict had died. And uh, he's, he's done a very good job covering uh, every single day. So I hope that he can take some time off right now because I I assume that this was not how he planned on on uh, enjoying his you know holiday break. Um, it's been very crazy, and of course when you're there in the public eye and when you're when you have social media, uh, the press also knows how to find you. So he's he's done a ton of interviews as well. So thankfully um, that has enabled me to kind of following what was happening there. Uh, it was very cool. Like I watched couple of those streams and they were over an hour long and i was just and i watched them like hours after they then he'd got gone live uh but it was still it gave me the idea that i was there i mean that's kind of what i love about podcasting as well you can bring people along with you and let them kind of feel the immediate atmosphere and kind of witness uh events through the eyes or ears of the host and and that's always been what I love doing most. Um, but anyway, I'm I'm glad I was home and I could take some rest. So I've been um, uh, I've been sleeping in <laughs> quite a bit. I've been working on on uh, training for the my next marathon, and I'm still in the early stages. But I I now have some extra time to go out for a run every day, uh, except on Monday, which is a, a day of rest. Uh, I've been trying out some new recipes. Um, I'm I'm working out new ideas for my Lego room. So this this year, I want to have my own Lego room where I can create a Lego city. So this morning, I'm not kidding you, and this this is a good sign actually. It's a sign that I'm starting to find new creative ideas. So the rest is helping. This morning, I woke up at eight o'clock exactly, and I had dreamt what my Lego room should look like. And it's like I sat down with my iPad, opened up Procreate, and designed what I saw in my dream. And it was amazing. I was like, why haven't I thought of this before? Um, so what I want to do is my current tiny office is where I used to do all my editing. But uh, if you're uh, watching the YouTube or following me on YouTube, you may have seen that a lot of my live shows right now are taking place in my living room. So I'm, I'm sitting in my Hobbit corner. I've got the fireplace behind me. It's very cozy. I love this this place. So what I'm thinking of is I'm just going to stay here for the rest of the year. This is where I want to do my uh, my podcasting. Um, it, it It's much more like a natural environment compared to uh, the, the office, which looked a bit dark. And yeah, it was... It was good, but I prefer this. I like it better. So uh, now the office is no longer necessary, necessarily going to be an office. And I'm, I'm thinking of creating... Um, it's a very small room. Um, people that have visited me, they know that it actually looks a lot bigger on on the streams, on the live streams, than it is in reality. So, um, But I think I can create... Um, and this is what I dreamt, like an L-shape table for my Lego city. Um, and then I will add curtains 
to the table so that underneath I can store all the Lego boxes that are now taking up most of my cupboards in another, in, actually in the guest room. Uh, but of course, if you have a guest, you need that person to be able to put their clothes in a cupboard. Right now, there's no space because it's all Lego. So I can put those Lego boxes and then hide them with a curtain. That was uh, one of my ideas that I had in my dream. And then I've got all these tiny little Lego sets that are too small to put, and, and also a lot of them are not appropriate for a city, for a Lego city. But I do want to put them on display. I've got lots of like Star Wars sets and stuff. And I was thinking, in my dream, I had mounted um, cupboards with transparent uh, doors, like doors with a window in it, and lights on the inside. In fact, I do have those cupboards in my kitchen. So you see them a lot in kitchen design. And because there is a light inside, um, and then the, the, uh, there are like uh, different like sheets of glass inside that you can use instead of uh, planks. Um, so the light shines through. So it gives a much more brighter... Um, it brightens up the wall. Plus, underneath you have still room where normally you would have your, your uh, countertop for... for or the kitchen that's where my where my lego city is going to be and so i woke up i was like oh that's the most awesome idea i've ever had plus um if i do an l shape um and instead of a first i wanted to do a u shape i saw that with rob cubasco i stayed at uh, uh, his uh, guest house uh um, last year in when was it in april um and so he had all his lego stuff on a u shape table and i thought it was genius but there is no room. If I do a U-shape table in my Lego room, it's going to be so cramped. Instead, I'm going to just do an L-shape so I can make the, the table itself a little bit wider. And so, and I want to have a Lego train. That's one of my childhood dreams, to have my own model train. But if you want to do like a, a curve, if you want to have a circuit where the train can actually continue to, to drive around, the table itself needs to be... Uh, approximately 80 centimeters in in width. So if I do an L shape, I can just do that. And I can cover like part, what I want to do is like the, the, the back of the train tracks, I want to cover that with mountains. So I can put the houses on two different levels. So there will be houses above the train tracks and houses like in between the train tracks. Something like that. I, in, my, in my dream, it was amazing. I don't know. I haven't measured everything out, but I think I can do this. And so what I want to do now is I go into the IKEA kitchen um, software. They have an online kitchen design um, app where you just put in all the measurements. I use this for my own kitchen. And then I'm going to design the Lego room using the kitchen planner from IKEA. It's amazing. And then inside these cabinets... I can put all the smaller Lego sets, plus it has the added advantage of being dust-free because I can close those doors. Oh, and then in the other, uh, the other side of the office has a, right now has a printer um, cabinet. And it's, it's where I have the printer and I have all my um, charging stations. Um, it's a bit of a waste of, of that space. I mean, I, I like the current setup. For an office, it works really well. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to move that printer to another room and I'm going to make a table there and that will be my assembly table. And next to it, next to the door, is also a cupboard 
and I can put all my Lego bricks in there, sorted by color. That's also much better than what I currently have. So anyway, it's like that is the best way to wake up. You're like, oh, I had I had a vision and now I'm just going to like d- draw it out and I'm going to design it and it's going to be awesome and I can't wait to show it to you when it's done. That's that's the fruit of this first week of my vacation. I love it so far. How do you not like movies? They're predictable. Like the guy gets the girl and that kid sees dead people and Darth Vader is Luke's father. Not liking movies is like not liking puppies. They're fine. I just get bored and never make it to the end. You know, you need a movie education. You need a movication. I'm going to give it to you. One of the first gifts of the new year is a new Star Wars series. Um, it is the second season of The Bad Batch, which is based on a, it's a spin-off of the Clone Wars animated series. For those of you that are not familiar with Star Wars, so the Clone Wars is basically what happens in the prequels of Star Wars where um, unknown forces are building a clone, an army of clones, and they're all based on uh, Jango Fett, who is the father of Boba Fett. Um, are you already confused? Anyway, so all these clone warriors are identical. Um, but in the Clone Wars animated series, they started to dif- differentiate them. Uh, so in the movies, they're just clones. And you don't get to know them. But in the animated series, they gave all these different clones different characters, which is kind of what, hap- what would happen in real life as well. Um, there's now this whole thing in the news about, uh, um, in, I think it's in Japan, Japan or in China, I don't know. Um, they're cloning pets. So people who, uh, whose dog or cat has died, they can actually pay a couple of thousand bucks and then companies will clone your pet. But of course, it's not going to be the same pet. It's not going to be the same dog. It's going to look the same, maybe, but it's nature and nurture. So your, your animal will, be in, will grow up in different circumstances um, and, and will have different experiences. So may actually develop a totally different character than your previous pet. The same is true with clones, of course. Clones may be genetically identical, but they're going to have different behaviors because they have different experiences. Um, and so that's what they did in the Clone Wars. And I think it's one of the major feats of, of that animated series that they gave these clones a face, a personality. And so you start to care about them. And then, of course, there is at one point the evil emperor, Palpatine. He, um, he flips a switch, almost literally. And turns out that the clones, when they were built as soldiers, um, they each had their own uh, indiv- individuality and everything was, the whole system was based on military loyalty. But they had a f- a switch, a built-in switch that they could activate, which is called Order 66. And then all these clones, which originally were meant to protect the Republic, now are starting to hunt down the Jedi and everyone who is opposed to Palpatine. So he turns them into not clones, but drones. And then a few of these clones actually are so different from all the other clones that the chips don't really work. And that, that is actually the Bad Batch. They were considered to be failed clones in a certain way. So they look very different. Um, they have very outspoken personality traits. Um, and so they were kind of almost discarded. as that, That's the Bad Batch. It's these weird clones. They're kind of failed clones. Turns out that, th- that they're 
it's not a bug, it's a feature. <laughs> because they were so different, the, the Order 66 doesn't work on them, and they eventually even get rid of the chip. And then they become this rogue group of, of warriors that are trying to help this kid, uh, Omega, who, well, I won't spoil what's going on with her identity, but she is uh, um, she's alone. She's very important to the Empire. We don't know exactly why, or she doesn't know why. We don't. We know it now, um, and so the Bad Batch is is, uh, is protecting her uh, and taking her on their adventure. And so um, I thought it was a genius idea. Uh, the show is helmed by Dave Filoni, of course, great storyteller. Um, and so and now we have the second season. I realized that when the news broke that there would be a second season and it would start in January, that I hadn't finished the first season. So I've been using this first week to catch up on no less than 13 episodes. I had only watched three episodes of The Bad Batch. I don't... I like, why? I thought I'd watched way more than that. But it's probably just because there was so much else to watch last year. So... Um, I was like, okay, I give myself one week to catch up with The Bad Batch and then I'm going to do my review of the second season. But of course, I don't want to watch the second season if I haven't finished the first season. It's, it's, it's been a blast. I really like it. It's Of course, it's not Andor. After Andor, you know, going back to kind of almost old-fashioned Star Wars and old kind of old-type dialogue, it feels very much like, oh my gosh, yeah, this is what Star Wars used to be. But now that we've seen Andor and the quality of writing and directing and acting that we got in that show. <sighs> the Clone Wars is, is, I love it, but it's really for kids. It's, it's, not, it's not for adults. I, so I'm hoping that um, the success of, especially the critical success, because it hasn't been yet a numbers success for Disney, but critically it was very uh, highly uh, praised by, by almost everyone. Uh, which is rare because Star Wars fandom is very divided sometimes and can be very toxic. But I've I've seen almost no Star so-called Star Wars fans uh, that that um, that disliked Andor. And so I'm hoping that in the future we'll get more Andor type shows. But I don't mind that they also continue in kind of in the old vein. The Clone Wars had a very special vibe to it which continued with the Bad Batch, and um, and I'm sure that the second season will be very much like the first one. The The last few episodes are particularly good. That's really where, of the first season, where the Bad Batch, uh, uh, you know, how do you say that, finds its, its mojo. <laughs> so there are a couple of episodes that were absolutely brilliant. Um, at, like there is this planet where the Twi'lek people come from, the Twi'leks are the, like, you see the, if uh, if you don't know what a Twi'lek is, um, in Jabba's palace, at the end of Return of the Jedi, there's this dancer, this lady, and she has these these two protrusions on the back of her head. That's a Twi'lek. So we get to see, like, there's a whole battle going on on the Twi'lek planet, and it is awesome. That was just, those two episodes are the best of the season yet. And now, that like the f- episode, was it episode 13? There is an appearance of one of the characters from Star Wars Rebels. And it shows that character in her younger years. And it was so good. It was... Oh, wait. I think that's actually the same 
that's part of that same because she's a Twi'lek. Anyway, but it was so cool to see that they are expanding the story of that we know from Rebels, which takes place much more in the future. Um, but to see the early part of that story, anyway, I love how they tie everything together. Uh, it's almost like the Force, right? It brings everything together. So I'm having a blast watching The Bad Batch. I'm not just watching Star Wars, though. I'm also uh, catching up on, on some movies that I was unable to watch in 2022. I saw the new Top Gun movie just um, came out on on HBO Max, I think. Or anyway, it's available online. I'm going to watch that one. Um, and I finally got to watch Knives Out, directed by Ryan Johnson, of course, the director of uh, The Last Jedi. Um, loved by some and reviled by some people. Uh, he's a he's a very competent um, movie maker and director. Uh, Knives Out uh, it was back in the news because of the sequel or the second. It's not really a sequel because it, you can watch these movies independently. But the main character, played by uh, Daniel Craig, formerly known as 007 James Bond. Um, the, the the second movie with that character with his uh, character detective character is is um, Glass Onion and is has recently been launched on Netflix is a huge hit, and so now a lot of people like like me are going back to the first movie uh, Knives Out and watching that. So I watched Knives Out. I watched part of Glass Onion, and um, my review in a nutshell would be uh, Knives Out is 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 entertaining. It's a good movie. It has a lot of like twists. And at the same time, it was a bit like, oh, oh it's just kind of an Agatha Christie type of movie. It, it wasn't like the big life-changing event that I thought it would be. Um, it's, it's just an entertaining movie, nothing more than that. It's, it's, uh, it's enter yeah, I've already said it, it was entertaining. But it, it, it was a very conventional movie. And I expected something brilliant. And it was okay, it was an okay movie. I would give it a 7 out of 10. The, the one thing that really got to me, though, and, and almost was a deal breaker, well, deal breaker, it's not a deal, but it, what that took me out of the movie time and again was that Daniel Craig's character is supposed to be an American. And so he's got this horrible, horrible fake American accent that totally does not work. And it, it's so bad. And the thing is, his character still looks exactly the same like James Bond. It's just James Bond. But instead of having a, his usual British, British accent, now all of a sudden he's like talking with this very exaggerated drawl. And I don't know, I am actually British, but I'm trying to do an American accent. And I'm playing this guy who is, like, totally not like James Bond, but I'm not, I don't actually know how to do, so I'll just stick a big cigar in my mouth. Like, it's like, ugh, it's so cringe, cringe-inducing. Why? That character would have been so much better if it had just been Daniel Craig with a British accent. Maybe change his hair color. Give him a mustache or a, a beard. But don't put someone who looks 
and act like James Bond and then all of a sudden make him like a kind of laid-back, fake American detective. It does not work. It's, it's, it's horrible. Anyway. But I kind of find... And now in the next movie, um, Glass Onion... The, he's back, and he still has that. Well, the accent has improved a tiny little bit. So I, I, I heard that he was now working with a lang- with dialect co- coach. But if you are not an American, don't do an American accent. Only one exception. Only one exception. Uh, and that would be House. What's his name? The actor who plays House, MD. He is British, but his American accent is almost well at least to me flawless um uh he he does a very very good job with that um but but if you're if your name is daniel craig and everybody knows you with a british accent is actually one of your major selling points don't try to do an american accent that's my only gripe i hope that well glass onion in a certain way i've seen only the first 30 percent of the movie is is fun it's it's more it's more intriguing than than Knives Out, and it features a guy played by uh, Edward Norton, formerly known as uh, Bruce Banner, I think, like he was in the <laughs> first Hulk movie, um, and he plays this kind of Elon Musk type of guy, and and it's uncanny how much. <laughs> These two look alike, and apparently, according to Ryan Johnson, but I I think that's just damage control, uh, because of course they didn't they didn't know that the t- the moment the movie would come out that 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 Elon Musk would be all over the news, uh, with with Twitter and Tesla and everything that's happening there. About Ryan Johnson has come out and said, well, that's that's like so such an unfortunate resemblance, and really we didn't plan it like this, and I was like, sure. You absolutely based that character on Elon Musk. You just didn't know how controversial Elon Musk would be around the time that the movie came out. But it actually makes watching the movie quite fun. Quite fun. <laughs> Catholics rock! The Peculiar Ones were always happy to tell you everything you always wanted to know about Catholics and their weird traditions, but you were afraid to ask, or too polite to ask. Catholics can be a peculiar bunch. No meat on Friday. No meat? What do they eat? Light bulbs? So, right before I started this episode, uh, there was a question in the chat room that I want to answer here on the segment about medals and blessed objects. Man... You guys got more crazy rules than Blockbuster Video. So, uh, th- this is this is always uh, possible. If you have a question, even if it's very, um, like, quirky or weird, or maybe you think it's a stupid question, there are no stupid questions. Let me know. Um, you can post it on social media. You can leave a comment on the blog, uh, fatherroderick.com. Or if you are on Discord and you're one of the patrons, there is even an entire section, of a faith-related section, where you can post your questions. And I will try to answer those, uh, those questions. So in the meantime, I'm trying to find that uh, particular comment 
that was made um, about an hour ago, I think. And of course, I now I can't find it anymore. Uh, but if I can't find it, I will just summarize it here for you. Yeah, I can't find it. I'm not going to scroll through all these hundreds of comments. Uh, but the question was, um, if you're wearing a religious medal, so it could be like a miraculous medal. I'll, I'll explain what that is later on. Um, but it isn't blessed. So it isn't blessed by a priest. It's just a medal. Does it still work? <laughs> and I think that was actually a very good question. Um, because we we feel like having a, a like a rosary or um, a, a medal, a religious medal, or a, a wooden cross or something like that, um, Catholics like to bless their stuff before they use it. And so if that is important, and if you need a priest or a deacon to bless those objects, uh, that does mean that it's giving it extra powers, right? So if you have an, a non-blessed religious object, it's still a religious object, does it still work? Well, of course, my, my answer is going to be, it depends. Uh, I'm the last one to say that having an object blessed is 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 not necessary or is uh, an old-fashioned tradition. No. Uh, as a priest, I'm often asked to bless objects. For instance, if I am in Lourdes or in Fatima or in Rome, people will walk up to me and say, Father, can you please bless this object? And what I always do is I ask, um, who is this for? Because oftentimes it's a gift. And then they will tell me a little bit. I ask some questions. And because... What is blessing, in fact? It's not, uh, it's not magic. So a blessed object is not a magical object. Um, and this is where the church and Harry Potter each go their own way, right? So an, an enchanted object in fairy tales is an object that will have a certain magical power. Or in video games. Think of a video games. When, when you have to brew a magic potion, it will give you extra power. And the better, the, the, the more magic is endowed on that object, the more powerful it will be. And so that way it will work better, right? And so in, in, in video games, oftentimes you level up in, in crafting so that you can make more powerful staffs or whatever, or a ma more stronger magical wand or, or a crystal that has some magical powers. Of course, obviously, in the church, it's it's slightly different. So what is exactly a blessing? You could say a blessing is, first of all, materially, a blessing is, a, is always a prayer. So if you give me like a rosary to bless, um, I pronounce a prayer. Like, God, would you bless this object and bless the people that are going to use this for prayer or as a reminder of their baptism or uh, a reminder of the, of the suffering that your son endured, etc., etc. But the object itself, the, the what the prayer does is to dedicate that object for a specific use. So you kind of set it apart from other stuff in your life, like uh, a, a computer mouse, it's super useful. It's very powerful. It allows me to scroll back and forth between the comments on on the, the the live stream. But it's 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 for my computer. It has a purpose. The mouse, this mouse, will be completely useless in the kitchen unless I have a PC in my kitchen and I use it to look up recipes. But you can't not use a computer mouse to make a pasta carbonara. You need a 
spoon for that and a, and a pan. So every object, or a lot of objects, not everything, art, for instance, usually has no specific goal or, or usage. Uh, but a lot of our tools are meant for a specific use. So um, if you apply that to objects that people bring to be blessed, it's oftentimes because they want to wear this object. For instance, a, a medal. I previously, at the beginning of this segment, talked about the miraculous medal, which is something that comes from France. There was his sister. And uh, you can still visit the, the, the church of the convent where she lived. And, uh, well, I, w- I will uh, tell the whole story some other time. But anyway, it um, she was... The, uh, the origin of this 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 cust- very very popular um, habit in the Catholic Church to wear a miraculous medal, and it shows the Virgin Mary surrounded by stars, and has a, an inscription on the back. And uh, for Catholics, that is usually you you wear that or you give it to someone you love as a, a token of of protection. But of course, the object is not protecting you. It's just a metal. It's just a tiny piece of metal. But it's been blessed to remind you that the Virgin Mary is your mother too. And her prayers are, are protecting you, are guiding you through life. So it's the Virgin Mary who, of course, again, through the force of... It's always God, ultimately, who does that. It's not the priest who blesses. It's God's blessing. It's his love, his power that works in the world. Uh, but we are instruments. So in a, in a certain way, the Virgin Mary, her prayer is protecting you through the grace of God. And this is a little aside for maybe non-Catholic Christian listeners that are like, uh, how did that work again? And how can Mary is just a human being, so how she doesn't have magical powers? No, it's because her prayer is channeling God's power. That's how it works in the Catholic Church. So that miraculous mantle is a reminder of the protection of God through or on the instigation of, of the Virgin Mary's prayers. It's a little bit complicated, but, but that's how it works. And so um, the same thing with uh, like a rosary. Why do people want that blessed? Because it's not just, uh, um, 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 how would you say that? Um, it's, it's not something you wear as a an object of beauty, as a how do you call these things? Sirade in 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 English, <laughs> word the English word escapes me. Jewelry. It's not jewelry. Sometimes kids will wear rosaries and they don't even know what it's for. But that's why a blessing is um, is also a moment where you educate people. You tell them this this is hopefully going to be for you a tool that helps you to pray and. Uh, sometimes when it's an object, for instance, an icon or a, li- or a cross, like a wooden cross, if it's for a certain person, so one day this this uh, young woman comes up to me and asks me to bless a crucifix, and then she tells me it's for her dad, who is currently in the end phase of his life. He's very sick, and she wants this cross in his rooms. He wants to give it to her father. So at that moment, the blessing is, of course, for that particular object, but it is it is a, it's a prayer that God may bless her father and be close to him. And the cross, again, is a reminder that God is close to us when we suffer because if we suffer, uh, 
Jesus is there to carry that cross with us. And so that this is this is what a blessing is. So but what if the object is not blessed by a priest? Does it still work? It works if it helps you to connect with God, if it helps you to pray, if it helps you to uh, be closer to God, to, I don't know, remind you of, of Jesus, yeah, it works. It works even without the blessing of a priest. However, the blessing itself can strengthen that connection, um, that, that prayer, uh, and even just the whole act of going to a priest and offering that object. And that's also for in, in, when you offer an object to be blessed, you, you set it apart, right? And every time you take that object, it remind, you remind yourself it's blessed. I cannot just use it for whatever. <laughs> like this crucifix, I cannot put it under the table to make sure it's not wonky anymore. No, it's a blessed object. You don't do that. And, and so there are some rules about how to treat blessed objects. Even if you want to throw it away, there are some procedures. But it's all because you have chosen to set it apart and the priest has confirmed that in that prayer. Does it have extra magical powers? Does it ultimate? Is it your 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 golden ticket straight to the upper floors of God's chocolate factory? No, no, that's not how the force works. It's not how prayer works. But it 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 all, all these little things like having religious objects, uh, going to a priest, have that object be set apart through the blessing and be dedicated to prayer. Um, it all helps to ultimately, and that's the goal of blessings, is to strengthen that relationship with God. It's not magic. It's all a relationship between you and God. And maybe that is what magic ultimately is. Deep magic, as J.K. Rowling would when say in Harry Potter. When did you become an expert in thermonuclear astrophysics? Last night. The packet. The extraction theory papers. Am I the only one who did the reading? Yeah, someone in the chat is like, rules? W rules about when you want to throw away a blessed object? Yeah, there are some, some you can Google that. But uh, for instance, you have to either bury it or burn it. or But don't throw it in the, in the dustbin. Because then you would, you would, it's a bit like what the Japanese also have with objects. You know, before you throw it away, you thank it. <laughs> so there's, it's, it's because that object, that blessed object has been important for you. And you want to preserve that importance uh, even when you get rid of blessed objects. Um, so anyway, that's for another time. Let's talk about books. Um, I, I'm starting uh, 2023 with a new reading list uh, this year. I'm planning on reading 150 books. Last year I did 100 books. And I, you know, it's not about the number. It's not a race, of course. When I posted this on, on Discord, um, some of my friends said, well, I, I don't put a number on the, the amount of books I want to read. I just read books because I, I like reading. And sometimes I read, like John Domick said, uh, I, I love to read these big books. Like he's rereading some of uh, Sanderson's books and they're like six, 700 pages long. Um, and obviously, uh, when you read a big book, uh, you know, it's just as, it's just as good as reading seven books of a hundred pages. Um, but for me, the reason that I put um, a, a, a goal amount of books is that it helps me, <coughs> it reminds me 
in certain way of that commitment that I want to have in this year again to reading and and uh, if I want to read 150 books it means I have to read one book or one book every two or three days so basically three books per week um, and so it helps me to maintain that uh, regular reading habit um, and it, it's very s similar to the way I approach running uh, I love running but I need to set goals like this year I want to run a marathon uh, preferably the Rotterdam marathon or the Enschede marathon I haven't decided yet um, and having that goal 42 kilometers um, and setting myself a time like I want to be faster than last time so I want to go um, under four hours uh, means that I have something to work towards and I cannot skip a single day of training and I won't skip a single day unless I get sick or injured and that this is how I approach this reading list um, so I want to read 150 books because I know that that is, has worked wonders in the previous three years now that I've been doing this to get me back into the habit of reading. And I so enjoy it. I read so many awesome books last year. And, and, and it's just because I love the experience that I want to read even more this year. So the first book that I read this year uh, during the first two days of January is called Meet the Frugal Woods. It's a... It's a book about frugality, so living um, with while while spending very little money, uh, work using secondhand things instead of buying everything new, etc. Um, and it's it's written by a lady who also has a blog about that. Um, so after a couple of years of blogging, and she had a, quite a bit of success, uh, she decided to write a book. The book is not a how-to guide for frugal living. It's not a book f filled with tips. There are tons of books that do that. Um, but it, 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 it's actually more of a memoir. It's more of a biography. Like, this is how I got into this frugal lifestyle and how it changed the life of our entire family. Um, and she, there are some, some, uh, some things she, she's very well aware of that she is actually from a very... She, she's speaking from a very privileged position he, she and her husband had a good income and so a lot of the things that she was able to do um are are not possible for people that live right on the edge you know go from pay to, paycheck to paycheck um but I, I i still think that that she has some very important things to say even to people that may actually have a very very limited budget because she focuses on the why, why would you do that? And it's not just mortification. It's, it's, it's a positive choice to enjoy the little things in life, to realize that, uh, that sometimes we are only working so hard for, for things we want to have, and we tell ourselves that once we have those things, we'll be happy. But no, of course not. The moment you, uh, you own it, you want something new. Think of your old phone, you know, the phone you had five years ago. When you bought it, it's like, oh, if only I have that, that iPhone. Oh, my gosh. Look at the quality. Look at the battery life. Look, it's amazing. It's, it's the best phone ever. That was five years ago. They're like, I cannot believe that I had a phone like that. It was so slow. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my gosh. No, the iPhone 
18. That's the phone to get. That that one is so superior. I mean, I cannot believe that I ever thought I could live with the iPhone 5. No, the iPhone 18, that's the phone. Once I have that phone, my life will be complete. <laughs> no, you won't. Because Tim Cook will make sure that next year there's going to be the iPhone 19 Plus Max XL and that's the phone to get. But no, it's so the, the book is, is about those realizations that stuff cannot make you happy. Happiness, contentment is on the inside. And sometimes it helps to get rid of stuff or to buy stuff secondhand to de do a detox almost of that uh, addiction that we have to get the latest, greatest, the biggest, the best, the newest. And... Uh, uh, and it also, uh, so what they chose to do is to work less. So they have less money, but to, to make different choices. So they, they actually moved from a very expensive area of the country to an area where it's more rural and it's much cheaper to live there. Um, because since they don't have that, that crushing mortgage to pay every month, they don't have to work as hard. And so they have more time for their family, etc. So it's it's all about finding a, a different type of balance in their lives, and a lot of these insights um, are are what what I think also nourishes the the minimalist movement, where minimalism is not about just getting rid of stuff or trying to be a, a cheapskate. It's all about realizing that you don't need all that stuff to feel good and to enjoy life. That oftentimes just looking differently at what you actually have and 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 training yourself that this this virtue of contentment which i always associate with hobbits for some reasons like contentment if we can be content with what we have and accept everything as a gift and not as a given or something we have a right to own or that we should own um it it makes for a calmer life where you discover new values that were al al already there, uh, you just forgot about them because the world tells you that you can only be happy if you have the iPhone 18 XL Plus Max with extra widescreen. <laughs> Is that a thing? <laughs> it may become a thing. All right, so that's that's a book. Uh, it's called Meet the Frugal Woods, and I quite... I quite enjoyed it. Uh, if you want to check out my other reviews, just go to my Goodreads page and look for Father Roderick. All right, it's time for the kitchen, which I actually have to uh, <clears throat> enter right after recording this episode of The Break, uh, because it's almost dinner time. And um, I'm currently uh, making some some changes, uh, some lifestyle changes temporarily uh, because I'm trying to lose a bit of that extra Christmas weight. And so I temporarily switched to uh, intermittent fasting. So I'm currently, I'm using an app actually, um, which I really like. I was a huge fan of MyFitnessPal. I've been using that app for years to count my calories and to make sure I get all my macros, etc. But just recently, they started to really annoy me with all these ads that keep popping up. And then they, the, the, the reason I, I liked 
fit my fitness pal is that it had a scan function so you could scan the barcodes on your products and since millions of people are using my fitness pal uh, it 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 immediately uh, could could find the the ingredient or whatever um in in their huge database and now a couple of months ago they decided to put that scanning function behind a paywall and it's very expensive so i was like yeah i'm done with that what are are the alternatives is there another app that i can use now ideally of course i want i would like to use something that is in the fediverse you know like mastodon i want to calorie counter like mastodon where nobody owns it nobody needs to make money on my calorie counting but uh, i haven't found a good uh, one because of course it's always you need a good database as well so um in order for this to work and especially in europe uh you need to have something that is um uh, that has a substantial user base so i ended up find i'm trying to uh find the app the thing is if you launch an app on the ipad it doesn't tell you which app that is um it's it, the app is called yazio so uh y a z or z i o yazio um it's very similar to my fitness pal but the interface is so much better and you get a lot more for free um there is a paid option and it is um it's affordable it's, it's but i still don't don't think it's going to add much to what i need um so i'm using the free version um but it also has a built-in timer for if you want to do intermittent fasting so right now it is um, allowing me to eat between noon and eight o'clock in the evening right now as i'm recording this it is 6 p.m which means i only have two hours left to eat this is just for me a way to actually prevent me from snacking from late night snacks that's one of my vices especially if i'm watching a lot of tv uh i i just like to snack and it's it's a very very dangerous terrain for me because that's where i get all the extra calories i do eat healthy i cook healthy but it's the snacks that that um, do me in for so um knowing that at 8 p.m that's when I stop eating and I only start like skipping breakfast. Not a big deal. You can actually drink uh, black coffee or coffee with a bit of sugar, a tiny bit of milk. So I do that in the morning and that is enough. I realize that I only have breakfast because of the coffee. I can skip the bread as long as I can get coffee. So, um, uh, but Yazio has been really helpful. Um, I think the paid version also has recipes and that sort of stuff. But I have plenty of recipes that I need to try out. So lately, I've been uh, focusing more, a bit more on trying to up the protein content of my uh, dishes. Um, but I've also done a couple of classic um classic recipes like uh, pasta puttanesca, uh, which I gave the recipe for many times in the past. It's, it's, uh, I love pasta puttanesca. Uh, it's uh, from Naples, I think, and it's really good. It's got a bit of a weird backstory, but that's for some other time. Um, I, right now, I need to try out some more recipes for sprouts. Because I've got a ton of sprouts in my fridge right now, and they're all starting to get yellow and brown. So I need to uh, work on my sprouts recipes for for now. For this evening, I'm just going to do sprouts with uh, mustard, uh, mustard sauce. 
Um, it's, it's one of my favorite combinations. Um, and so that's what I'm going to do. And then I tried out some more uh, Korean recipes, having a blast. I'm trying to get more, go for the more spicy variants, uh, trying to uh, get accustomed to that. Um, so that's, that's been a lot of fun. What else have I been doing? I'm using a lot of uh, vegetables lately. Oh, there's just one thing I want to try out. This is actually a snack. It's not a, it's not a recipe for a healthy meal. But you remember? Do you uh, you know of the, of the the fake crab, right? The the which is actually made of fish. It's compressed like very cheap fish. Um, but it has a bit of added flavor, and and it's used a lot in crab recipes and crab salad and everything. It's pretty cheap. Uh, although it got a bit more expensive lately here in Europe. Um, right now, for one package of, of fake crab, it's about 120 So I saw this, this video um, where you take the fake crab and you unravel it, literally. So it's usually just rolled up uh, compressed white fish. Um, so you can uh, take that apart very carefully, and then you cut it into flakes... And you put those flakes, you add a bit of oil and some salt and pepper and maybe some other herbs, and you put that in the air fryer. And if you fry it well, you need to shake it up a little bit, it can get very crispy, and you get these crab chips. And apparently they are really tasty. And I I love those TikTok videos where they actually eat the product, and you hear the... Oh my gosh, I'm salivating right now. So I, I know it's not the healthiest snack, but it is. Um, it actually does have quite a bit of protein and also some fiber. So um, it's not unhealthy. Well, no, it's actually it's unhealthy. But <laughs> it's not as unhealthy as potato chips. And I, I just like to try it out. I'm, so I'm going to try that out tonight. Before 8 o'clock p.m. <laughs> we are on the cutting edge of technology. Wow. Well, what does that mean? Let's plug it in. It's going to say, hey, I see you plugged in a new device. And it's going to load in the appropriate drivers. You'll notice that this scanner built... Whoa. Well, all your technology stuff, it just ends in disaster. But there is one more thing. This is the video games and technology section and I want to talk about my experiences with Zelda. I finally, finally dusted off my Nintendo Switch which I really haven't used for more than a year. I'm almost ashamed to say it. I loved my Nintendo Switch during the COVID time when we were all in lockdown. I played countless hours of Animal Crossing but now... I deliberately wanted to play one game during my winter break, and that is Zelda Breath of the Wild. The first time I saw that game, it hadn't even been released. I've got a couple of friends here in the Netherlands, and they're game journalists, and one of them visited me for an unrelated interview, and he showed me his Nintendo Switch with Zelda Breath of the Wild. And I remember him raving about it. He said it's like an open world. I, I've played some Zelda games in the past, but he said it's unlike anything you've seen before. It is incredibly big, and it's super well programmed. It's All the quests are feasible. There's always something to do in that world. Um, you, you, this is the 
This is the killer app. Get a Switch with Zelda. So I did. And then I never played it. But New Year, new resolutions. I dusted off the Switch and started playing Zelda Breath of the Wild. And it is no hyperbole. The game is that good. It is one of the coolest games I've ever played. It's so incredibly well done. And it's it, it's it's so crazy that all that, that huge world is contained on a tiny little card that I put in the Switch. And it's, it's so brilliant. Now, I was playing uh, the first two days. I was playing it on the Nintendo Switch, which is nice. But I started to get cramp in my hands. And I think the reason is that the Switch is actually quite small it's it's designed for a younger audience and then it also has a the downside that the right uh switch where that you, you that you use to control the camera is is placed lower than the one of the left uh whatever controller and so it it, it makes for a very cramped way of holding the switch because the the, the fire buttons are still in the same place. So I don't know. There's something about the design of the Switch that I don't like for extended periods of gaming. The, this is one of the reasons that I'm uh, very enamored uh, with, the, with the Steam Deck. I don't have the Steam Deck, but I would like to get one. Uh, because it has much more, the, it has the design of more, more similar like the Xbox controller, which is my all-time favorite controller. Um, but there was another reason that I um, that I didn't want to continue to play on the Switch itself, and that's the screen. It's a small screen, and it's not the brightest. I don't have the OLED version of the Switch, so it's just an LED screen. It's not too bright, and I was playing this in the living room while the sun was shining outside, and I started to get a headache because everything was so small. The, the, there's a, quite a bit of text also that you have to read in the tutorial part of the game, and uh, I was just like, no, I don't want this. I want to play this on the big screen. But thankfully, the Switch comes with uh, a cradle that you can hook up via HDMI to your television. So I put it upstairs next to my Xbox and connected it to my TV. And what a difference that makes. It's not like 4K, of course. It's a very modest console in terms of power the even my my old xbox series s is 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 more powerful than than the hardware of the switch but you don't notice it that much because the the game uses shell shading so there's a certain technique to um they also use that in uh what's the name of that game again uh border is it borderlands I think it was Borderlands. Anyway, it's this other game. It's, it looks a bit more like a, like anime in a certain way. Um, I think, I think uh, Genshin, 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 what was the name of that? Oh, man, I've, I haven't played that game for a while. Genshin Impact also uses the, the, the but it's a much more advanced uh, uh, technique there. The game is newer. Um, but it, 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 Genshin Impact looks is very much inspired by the look of Zelda. The, the advantage is that you don't notice that it's actually you're watching like upscaled 720p. Uh, and because it's upscaled 720p, it runs actually pretty smoothly. It's, it's an amazing game. So atmospheric. The puzzles are not too hard. 
Um, and, and I feel like I've been playing this for a couple of hours now and I've only scratched the surface of this world. I haven't even left the starter area. Um, I can't wait to play more of this game. And thank you for all of you that have encouraged me to finally start playing this game because, man, I am enjoying it. And it, there's one more game that I have never played on the Nintendo Switch, and maybe I'll tackle that one after this one, and that's Xenoblade. I haven't got the, the latest one, but I've got Xenoblade 2. Uh, again, open world. It's a bit different. I think it's harder than... Um, then Zelda Breath of the Wild. Um, but it's equally equally nice to look at. So, really enjoying the experience. Uh, but, mm, oh, and there's one thing. Because this is also the tech section. I, I And I discovered this by accident. I cannot believe that Nintendo isn't promoting this more. There is a VR option. You can actually buy, like, remember that about a year ago, um, there was this set it was clearly a like a kit that you could buy it was clearly aimed at kids because it's all out of carton you could make make these extra tools that you could connect to your nintendo switch um but it's all out of carton and it's, of course it's very fragile and you know i i wasn't interested in that it does come with some extra games which apparently are very entertaining but still i'm not going to pay 60 bucks for something made out of card cardboard i i don't because it's gonna break one of these things that you could build with that kit was actually a set of vr goggles and you can slide in the nintendo switch and play zelda breath of the wild in vr in vr i mean seriously who doesn't want to play zelda breath of the wild in vr so now I'm I'm very torn. Like, am I going to get the cardboard thing? But it's expensive and it's cardboard. Then, of course, there are a couple of of plastic ones that you can buy. Um, they are more expensive. They're about forty bucks. Uh, there were some cheaper ones, but they're rubbish. Uh, but the the ones that are more durable are forty bucks. But am I going to pay forty bucks for a set of VR goggles that I would only use to play Breath of the Wild? Choices, choices, choices. I'm just so curious what the game looks like in VR. Because this is par excellence. Is that a word? This is one of those games that, that if you want to make VR a, you know, popular with a huge crowd, you got to have a game like Breath of the Wild. It's the perfect genre for VR. <sighs> anyway... I'll let you know what I'll do. And with that, we've come to the end of this New Year's episode of The Break. And as always, also in 2023, I want to leave you with a thought of the week. And this one is... Uh, actually, I've got, for January, I've got four thoughts, all from the Japanese wisdom tradition. And this first one is called wabi-sabi wabi-sabi that sounds like something you put as a condiment on your food but wabi-sabi and it's actually it means find peace in imperfection that's important for me because I'm a perfectionist 
I always strive for to get a 9 out of 10 or a 10 out of 10. I don't like it when something is like broken or not exactly what I envisioned. But this wabi-sabi advice says find peace in imperfection. It's okay if something is not perfect. Sometimes it can even be beautiful. Think of like Kylo Ren's helmet when it's fixed. It's got all these lines and it actually the what was broken adds to the value of the object. Something like that. Maybe this year I'll come to terms with imperfection in my life. Peace out. Have a wonderful week and talk to you soon.